You just asked if it was ready. Go get our coffee. Right now, Rob is getting our coffee. <laughs> they can't hear it, Rob. That microphone's only a $12 mic. <laughs> it is, it's just not that impressive. No, they, they can't even hear you talking because your mouth is not anywhere near the mic. Wow, they, pro- they probably heard that, though. Which one's mine? Okay, not that one. Okay, I'll clear mug. Mr. Clear Mug. Tim trying to steal my Mr. Mug. Whatever. All right, are are we ready to go here? Why are you diluting that coffee with cream? You adulterated that coffee. Tim's a coffee snob. It's okay. It's all right. Are we ready to go? We're ready to go, Tim. All right, here we go. You guys ready? Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Whitaker. Joined with my co-host, Jordan Renault, and my new co-co-host, Rob McMichael. All right, Rob, we finally have you on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. After all these years. (laughs) Why don't you tell us um, what happened to you last week and why you let millions of fans down? (laughs) Uh, So last week, we were going to record the podcast at my house, and we were all set to go. But as it turns out, on my way to work in the morning, a dump truck felt he wanted to be in my lane. So I ended up rear-ending said dump truck, flipping upside down, smashing my head on a windshield, and here we are. And he still canceled the podcast. (laughs) Can you believe that? What a jerk. Where's the commitment? Listen, if you miss the first day of work, you know, people usually don't hire you back, so... We, Jordan and I, we, we've talked and we've decided that this will be your, your last podcast with us today. Understandably so. so. Yeah, I mean, commitment seems to be a big theme in your life. You're married, you have a child. <laughs> Clearly you have serious commitment issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, well, we're glad that you are okay, Rob. Now, for those of you listening out there, Rob, um, it was really this whole coffee theology and Jesus idea with the blog really started with Rob and I. Um, in the beginning, in fact, Rob has written many uh, many uh, posts, you know, on, on the blog. So, Rob, what got you kind of interested in doing this? I mean, do you remember the story that 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 kind of brought us together? Well, Tim and I actually met at a coffee shop. Uh, we both are somewhat musicians. Tim tries to play drums; it's not that good. <laughs> and I try to play guitar; not that good. But. Uh, we bonded, and actually the first time Tim and I spoke, we bonded over old video games that we grew up with, and it came to find out that we were both raised in a very similar circumstance, conservative Christian parents, and we were exposed to the same things, kind of like Adventures in Odyssey. What Classic. a great, great, great memories. Jordan, were you a, a big Adventures in Odyssey fan? Oh, yeah. That was a great show. It was a great Eugene. radio show. Eugene and of course Mr. Whitaker. Yes. <laughs> years old, you know, <laughs> years truly. They used to have a cartoon as well that I used to rent from my church oh, yeah. library. Church it was, library. It was top notch. I VHSs, man. VHSs. Those were the days. Those were the days. You guys think that someone out there has them on Blu-ray? I could probably find like like the full Adventures in the Odyssey Blu-ray remastered high definition version. I don't think anyone paid for that. I would. If you're out there, I'll pay for it. Yeah. You might be able to see the bad the bad theology though in that high definition. <laughs> 
anyway, yes, that was that, that was a great a great show. And uh, so that's how Tim and I got started, and then we saw that we had a lot of things in common. We like to discuss theology. We like to discuss Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. And Tim, I don't know if any of our listeners know this, likes to put out some pretty controversial statuses on Facebook. And Tim and I were discussing one of his statuses, and we realized that maybe it would be better if we started a blog and we could get all of our thoughts down instead of just a small blurb of a status that didn't quite flesh out all the details. Listen, I don't know what's up with this controversial mumbo-jumbo, but I was... They weren't that bad, okay? They weren't that bad. I can't help it if people want to get all fired up on my Facebook for absolutely no reason. Ridiculous. Jordan, would you say that they were that bad? They were pretty bad. I I heard you (laughs) survived solely on dominoes and controversy for like five years. (laughs) Dominoes and controversy. Well, anyway, you're right. And so we we decided to to start the blog. And then kind of over the years, we realized that, well, maybe the next form of medium is really us being able to sit down and talk and record some of these conversations that we have all the time. Because at the end of the day, these conversations that everyone out there has, has, has heard us have on these microphones, you know, and on the podcast have really been happening all the time, just not recorded. So we figured, well, you know, let's start recording this and putting them out there because we cannot be the only people, you know, out there who have these thoughts, who wrestle with these things and who have friends who don't always see eye to eye, even in their own theological circles. So why not record it and put it out there? Because we certainly cannot be the only one. So I think that's that's kind of how even this podcast idea got started because we we had this idea for a long time in our heads. Jordan and I have had this idea for a long time in our heads, and we said, you know, what, let's just go ahead and start doing it and see what happens. And I will say the response has been for a small time podcast pretty pretty positive. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, yeah. which is great. So anyway, I want to move on a little bit um, now. Rob, have, did you hear uh, the last week's ep- or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, um, our pod- my podcast episode with Hans? Yeah, absolutely. Listen okay. to it while it's at work. And I know Jordan heard it as well. I wanted to get your feedback on how you guys thought that conversation went with Hans. Because um, I really had a good time with Hans. It was really good. And it was definitely challenging at times. And there were definitely some great, some good points that he, that he brought up that I didn't know how to respond without coming across just like a jerk, you know. And I, uh, I kind of got stuck here and there. And I also wanted him to feel comfortable and able to breathe without feeling like I was going to jump down his throat after every little statement that he made um because i mean him and i are good friends and he's i'm sure he's listening to this week's episode so this is nothing that i wouldn't say to him um you know uh to his face in fact before i brought him on i even told him i said hans i want you to come on the episode but i don't want you to be like my like my token gay friend that comes on the episode to prove that i'm a good christian that i love gay people you know i said your identity is way beyond just that so i want to have you on for a whole range of topics so on that level i thought that we accomplished that because we talked a lot of politics, and we talked a lot about kind of what makes him tick. Of course, we got into the homosexual issue at some point. It was bound to happen. Um, But yeah, I want to get your thoughts and and see what you guys thought about that episode. I think one of the things that it really brought to my mind was something that I posted on Facebook a couple days after, and it was the greatest detriment to discussion that is becoming more and more common in discussions of religion, politics, music, or whatever, is the belief that the point is to defeat the opponent instead of understanding them. 
If we all spent more time attempting to understand one another instead of trying to defeat one another, we would end up with a depolarization of so many issues in the world, in Christendom, in politics, or in any other realm of disagreement. And I think that was something that was really shown with Hans. We don't, we don't want to have people that disagree with us on the show so then we can browbeat them into uh, <laughs> right, agreeing right, with us. Right, just throw the Bible at them, you know. And yeah, exactly. We want to have people and have genuine discussion and understand how is it that these people are viewing the world? How is it that these people are viewing these issues? And so it would be a benefit to us as Christians to say, okay, let's take a step back and understand the other side. I think that's something that the Lord Jesus Christ could do on a much greater sense. He understood other people, and so when he brought the gospel, he brought it with the, with the knowledge of their side of the argument. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it was a good uh, conversation, and yeah, just having that um, ability to kind of have that mutual respect and uh, talk about topics that, um, like you said, a, a wide variety of topics. Um, the only thing that I, I think I told you the other day, actually, when you asked me about it, um, was that in that, I felt like um, you didn't necessarily present much for Hans to think about and to understand from your point of view on things. Um, and not the whole time. I thought you did more so later on towards the end of the podcast. And like you said, your response to me when I told you that the other day was that you were kind of, kind of trying to, at least in the beginning, have it be more of like an interview. Um, which, and that made sense. Um, but yeah, that was my thought. Cool. Yeah, it was definitely a good episode. And you know, one one of the cool things about that was that I know a lot of his friends heard it as well. And um, Hans and I, even though we disagree on a lot, one thing we do agree on is that we're all on this planet together. So how do we get along the best that we can? And how do we um, you um, mutually humble ourselves just to at least learn? And Hans and I know that we're never going to see eye to eye on a lot of different issues. But we that doesn't stop us from trying to understand the why behind, you know, how people tick. And I definitely think that... Um, one of the key moments for me on that podcast was having Hans share his story of how he grew up. And I'm, I'm, I just hoped that, 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 that his story was going to come out because it's very powerful. And I think it's important for Christians to hear because when, when we turn um, certain groups of people into just theological you know, discussions and we kind of take the humanity away from them, we forget that these are real people who really got hurt by people in the church. Uh, at times, and it's important to own up to that to make sure that we are walking humbly, you know, with only not only with our fellow man, but with Jesus as well. So, anyway, I thought that I thought it was a good episode as well, and I know that that made me think about some other people I want to have on the show as well, um, who maybe think very different theologically, or you know, um, think different on think differently with uh, with different issues or social issues. So, I think it'll it'll be good to have those people on just to kind of interview, but also to have that that uh, friendly debate, if you will about just those issues and, and well, why would you, why do you believe that and so on and so forth? So, yeah, just a thought on that. I feel like, um, it's okay, like to have a certain amount of, you know, like a challenge towards someone like you, you don't have, you don't have to like, uh, beat them with something or, um, try and win this argument to still present a view that's challenging or ask questions that are challenging towards people in a conversation, especially if it's something that you really don't agree with them on. No, I mean, 
Absolutely. That's a great point. I think sometimes because I've been known as, and I know everyone jokes about it, but I've been known as Mr. Controversy or Mr. Blunt Talk or that kind of thing, I've been trying to build in my head just being a more not-so-argumentative person because I do naturally think, you know, if someone says one thing, I naturally want to challenge that automatically, which when people don't know me, it kind of comes across as, this guy's just kind of a jerk, and I, I don't mean to be. So I think in my uh, in my efforts to kind of be a little more just conversational, you know, in in that episode in particular, there are times where I could, you know, um, push back in, in a good way and make Hans think a little bit. Um, and I think towards the end, I did. I think I gave him some good talking points, and he definitely yeah. gave me a lot, a lot to think about as well. I definitely was chewing on a lot of what he said, so... But anyway, um, yeah, awesome, guys. Well, I'm glad you guys had a chance to listen to it. And if you have not had a chance out there listening to this podcast, you can definitely check it out on our brand new website, thanks to my man Rob over here. Rob, what's our awesome website name? Well, you've known our blog as coffeetheologyandjesus.wordpress.com. Well, now you can drop the WordPress. Because we got our own servers. We got our own website. We have servers. And who's hosting it? Oh, it's Amazon. We Thank are, you, Amazon. We are an Amazon company. <laughs> Here we are, guys. We are an Amazon company. It's official. Going public. We are going public. So this podcast is brought to you by Amazon. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some money for that. <laughs> <laughs> and we also now, we're officially on iTunes as well. Is that correct? That is correct. And if you go to the website, www.coffeetheologyandjesus.com, you can subscribe to our blog. You can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or whatever other method that you deem appropriate. Fantastic. Well, thanks for doing that, Rob. That is awesome for real. And it's great to be able to be able to have an official podcast that is out there for the whole world to see. No more SoundCloud, no more limiting how many <laughs> uploads we have. So that is awesome. So, all right, Rob. Well, let's go ahead. I mean, it's been almost 15 minutes, so that's enough filler uh, for, for this episode. Let's dig right into the meat of tonight's discussion. I'm going to hand it over to you here because I know that you had a lot that, you were, that you've were you been thinking about regarding some of these topics that you want to hit tonight. So I'll let you kind of take it away and we'll go from there. So I, I, when uh, Tim was really starting this podcast, I started to look through iTunes for uh, different podcasts that are basically on the same line. And there really are very few to almost no podcasts that really do what we're doing and sit down and just discuss things openly. And I started to think about how our name, Coffee Theology and Jesus, we should bring some theology into it. And what we were going to speak about last week was uh, soteriology, which is the study of salvation. Okay, that's a big word, Rob. (laughs) Remember, I'm homeschooled. Keep things very simple for me. But uh, that that morning, uh, thinking about it, and then on my way to work, got in the accident, and that kind of changed my whole perspective on things, really. And I started to think about is really, although theology is great, don't get me wrong, and I think at some point we'll get to that soteriology, but uh, I think this week what was really on my mind, my heart, was talking about what a Christian is, what are the basics of Christianity, and what are the important aspects of a Christian's life. So pretty much you want to dive into things that people have been discussing and arguing, arguing about for over 2,000 years. That would be correct. All right. And we're going to sum it up in one hour. Yeah, definitely. Okay. No problem. Forty, Yeah, 45 minutes. All right. So uh, where do you want to start with that one, Rob? Because that is a big statement. And I'll tell you what. I mean, Jordan and I, um, for almost two years, every Wednesday, met at my house with a bunch of other people. And we had these discussions about 
questions you're asking, you know, what is this? What is that? What is the gospel? What's that like? What's the church like? And I don't know how you felt, Jordan, but in my opinion, it was a great discussion, but it led down a lot of rabbit holes because everything is so connected. Um, it was a, it was a pretty deep well to draw on and things, questions that we really couldn't even fully answer a hundred percent because you can kind of see them both and not just either or. So in your head, where did you want to start with that topic? What, what I really was thinking about was that primary question. What is a true Christian? What does it, what does that really mean? Uh, there's many people all over America, all over the world that say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, Mm. but what does that really mean? What does the Bible define as a Christian? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just preparing myself now for this discussion. So do you want to give us your thoughts on what a Christian is? Uh, I guess we could start um, by the first mention of Christian in the Bible. Okay. So it's in Acts, and it was actually a derogatory term. People saw these people living, and they looked like the man that they knew, Christ. And so they said, look at these Christians. And it was a derogatory term to say, these people looked like Christ. But then those people started to say, yeah, that, that's what we want. We want to look like Christ. And so it became more of a positive term uh, on that basis. Okay. My mind's already being blown. Continue on. Um. And I think at the root of it, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who is emanating Christ. How does that happen? It's someone who has been born again, to use a Bible term from John 3, someone that has eternal life, someone that has a personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that, you can't be a Christian. Just going to a Christian church doesn't make me a Christian. Having Christian friends doesn't make me a Christian. It's knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior makes me a Christian. Well, my first question, though, is that you you first said that being a Christian is one who emanates Christ, and then you said it was one who knows Christ. So is it both, or is it one or the other? Because my, my question is, can someone emanate Christ, you know, like you said, and follow all his teachings and do all those things and still not be what we, what we would call a Christian? I think it's kind of like you need the one to have the other. I think that's what you were trying to say, kind of, is like in order to really emanate Christ, truly, um, you have to know him. You have, Well, I mean, that makes sense. Saying it like that kind of makes more sense even than what I was thinking. Like to be like someone you in a really deep way and not just a surface way of that, oh, you're doing some of the same things that they're doing kind of thing. Like to be at the point where someone would mistake you for someone else like, you got to be acting like that person, I think, on a much deeper level than just, like, your surface actions. And I think in order to do that, you really have to know that person, and you have to have a relationship with that person. And I think that's kind of how it, it goes with that. Like, in order to be like Christ in the way that these early Christians were to the point where people recognized that in them, um, they needed to know him first. Okay. Um, here's another way to ask that same question, though. Could could someone read the the Gospels, emulate Christ, follow all his teachings, do the church thing, you know, do all the things that our our current Christian culture deems Christian, and still not know Christ? I think I can answer that from personal experience. Okay. Um, when in 1999 I was 12, and I made a profession that. 
I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. It was, I remember the seat I was sitting in, I remember the message I was listening to, and the preacher was talking about, you must be born again from John 3, 3. And I just remember thinking that night, I have to be born again, I have to be saved, I have to be a Christian if I want to be in heaven. But that was really all it came down to, was just that realization. Um, over the next years, I got baptized, because that's what the Bible says you should do as a Christian. You should get baptized. I joined a local church, because that's what the Bible says you should do. You should join a local church. Um, I went on a missionary trip to El Salvador, because I wanted to live with a missionary for two months and help him out in his work. And so I was doing all of the things that a Christian, quote-unquote, should be doing. But when I came down to it, when I was with real Christians, I didn't have peace. And I, as Jordan was saying, when you emulate someone, you, you have to know them. And it was upon that realization, it was, I, I don't know Christ because he really isn't my Savior. He isn't my Lord. And it wasn't until my freshman year of college that I actually put my faith in him. And it was, I don't know if I, if I believe it or not that Jesus Christ died on the cross. It's not going to change the fact that he did two, about 2,000 years ago. What's going to change is if I place my trust in it. And it's not that I'm doing something to get forgiveness, but it was just that realization that Christ did something that could benefit me. And that night I trusted him and knew him as my personal savior. After that moment, the Christian life became totally different. It wasn't following rules. It was following a person. Hmm. See, where I get stuck, though, with all that, and that's definitely a powerful and good story, don't misunderstand, that makes me think, well, you know, I grew up in the church as well. I think actually all three of us did, and I was taught pretty heavily that you have to believe in Jesus to be a Christian. (laughs) But it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying, it goes deeper than that. And that's what kind of almost is unsettling, is, well... What, is, what, what does it mean to be a Christian then? Because is it just that you pray a prayer and, and you're saved and that God can never, you know, your grace, is, it, it, grace covers you forever? Is it that if you pray a prayer and then you start looking like Christ, you become a Christian? Is it some supernatural work that no one can define or explain that makes you a Christian? Because there are all these different litmus tests that we've grew up we've grown up kind of hearing you know i mean how many times have we heard as as kids or even adults still you know just ask jesus to to, to uh in, into your heart just ask jesus into your heart okay i did well you're a christian okay what does that even mean and like you said i think a lot of people especially our age a lot of these millennials and i, and I know jordan has a similar story as well um they kind of freaked out i think when they hit like their you know, early, uh, mid-teens, late-teens, early 20s, thinking I was just told to do a bunch of good things, but I don't think I know this this Jesus student. He must either, A, not exist because I, because I never experienced him, or, oh my goodness, I don't really know who he is, but I feel kind of duped by people who meant well, possibly, but either had really bad theology or I just didn't get it. So when you, when you boil it down to what is a Christian, what exactly does that entail? Does that make sense? I, I I get stuck on that because there's a lot of answers for me that I don't know if they all make sense. So I, I really don't know. Anyone else here got a, got a thought? Or have I stumped all of us? No, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like a simple thing. And I don't know. 
I mean, it is in one sense a simple thing, mm. but I think there's definitely a depth to it that we don't necessarily always understand completely. Um, but I think that's partly why um, we see things in Scripture like uh, you'll know them by their love for each other or you'll know them by their fruits. Like there are, like you were saying, like litmus tests in, in Scripture, like, hey, this is how you'll know this person is really a Christian. So I don't think it was something that, like, caught God by surprise that there are people that aren't sure whether they actually are a Christian or not uh, in the sense that we're talking about. Um, I think that's something that's been an issue from the beginning. Yeah. You know, again, going just back into my head and as I'm thinking here, it's one of those things where um, it's so difficult for me because I don't want to have a workspace theology, but I firmly believe that Scripture says all over the place that really the the fruits you know works that we do are a testament to what's going on inside of us um but at the same time you know the other side of the the other side of the coin is so we'll just pray the prayer pray the prayer you're a christian just pray the prayer believe in jesus and you and, and that's it you know you're that's it you're saved and we've turned i even think i even think that we've turned works i think the reason why works are are so well, you know, works for lack of a better word is because when they're not flowing out of a, out of a relationship with Jesus, then they really are works. But when they are flowing out of a, out of a relationship with Jesus properly, then they're fruits. And I think that that there's a big difference there because I know that I can try harder every day. I can work, work, work to just do good things. But if if there's no foundation or reason why, I mean, why be good? If there's, if there's nothing flowing out of that, if it's not the Holy Spirit leading me to live a certain way because that's how he designed me to live, then, that, then that's a work. But if I'm doing it out of that mentality of, hey, God's guiding me here, he's speaking into my life, I have a relationship with him, then it becomes a fruit. I think that's a, probably a big difference that when it comes to Christians, kind of like that litmus test that we can look for. But the other side of the coin that I think about now is, well, I mean, are we are we supposed to judge each other then? Like, am I supposed to call out your, like, hey, Rob, I don't really know if you're a Christian. I haven't seen much fruit going on. What is that standard? It has to be something beyond us, or else we're going to be in one big circle, you know, the blind leading the blind kind of thing. And I, I think we are called to uh, sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron. So in our Christian walks, we are supposed to say, hey, Tim, I, I see you're doing this particular thing. You're, you're talking about this. I don't think that's in line with what Jesus taught or what he deemed acceptable. So I think there is that aspect where it's not that we go around as the Christian police and we're saying, well, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. Right. Um, but there is that component of it where we are challenging one another in our faith. And I think that was something Paul really, really hit on. I mean, that's what his letters were. His letters were to local churches to right, say, yeah. you're not living like you should be. Absolutely. And I want something better for you. I don't want you to slouch. I don't want you to slide back. I want you to be all that you can be in Christ. So, I mean, one can make the argument that, honestly, the lifestyle, how actions, deeds are a huge part of the Christian faith. They're a huge part. They don't, of course, they don't save us. There's nothing that we all understand that. Any Christian, hopefully, would tell you that that no amount of good things will will save them from themselves. However, the 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 fruit or the evidence 
of, of our relationship with Jesus is that we are living differently. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that the Bible calls out that we should be for and also against. So not just being against everything, but what are we being, what are, what are we called to as well? Um, and I think that that can be frustrating sometimes is that, you know, I mean, Jordan and I, we did a huge study, um, on on, uh, on this book called Unchristian, which is a it's a really good book. Have you read that book before, Rob? Or I don't think I have. Okay, it, it's it's done by the Barna Group, and um, they just survey kind of like like the pulse of how Americans perceive Christianity. And it's it's it, the Barna Group is a huge research firm. That's what they do. They are known for it. And there's a pretty staggering um, statistic in the book that I want to share because this, I think for both Jordan and I really shocked us and also made us really rethink what kind of theology even our churches were, were teaching. And the, I'm probably gonna, you know, I, I forgot, I forget all the, the, the little details, but the basic idea was that they discovered that, um, that roughly what 75% of the general population in America claimed to be a Christian, roughly that, yeah, that amount. Because, yeah, 70 something. Yeah, it was a high amount, which if it, if there's about 300 million people in America, you know, there's, you know, two thirds of them is a pretty high amount, about 200 million. I mean, of course we're, we're throwing out big numbers, but it's in that ballpark. And, out of that, out of the people that that they surveyed who said yes, I am, I am a Christian. They then asked them on the next page to if they agreed with a biblical worldview, and they defined a biblical worldview by eight very simple interdenominational truths. I mean, stuff that 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 is like. God is real. Heaven's a real place. The devil is real. Um, you know, you can only be saved by grace. I mean, eight very basic. I cannot express this enough. Interdenominational truths. Out of the um, two thirds that said yes, I'm a Christian, I believe it was only six percent held a biblical worldview, meaning that 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 they agreed with all eight statements. There was not one that, that they disagreed with, and that was kind of like a wow moment for us. We're reading this book and this is all they do is they do research and they're discovering that while most people in America think that they're a Christian, the numbers of, or the the statistic of of people who actually hold the biblical worldview is a fraction of that. And for Jordan and I, especially when when we were in that season of really discussing these things, I mean, it it kind of freaked us out a little bit, but it also made us go, "Well, well, what's happening? How did we get to this point, to your point earlier, Rob, where people think that they're a Christian, but maybe aren't. Is that not more terrifying than not being a Christian at all? I don't know, but it's, it's definitely freaky. Yeah, I think there's kind of different um, groups of people within that. Like, I think there's certainly a group of people in our country, we'll, we'll just stick with our country for now. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, beyond sounds as good. well. Sounds good. Um, that are kind of just those, you know, the people that would say, I'm spiritual, you know, or I believe there's a higher power. And and maybe because Christianity was, I don't know about in style, but just like an acceptable uh, outlet of that spirituality, that's something that they claimed. And I think, I, I, was, I was honest a second ago, I kind of said it jokingly, but that I think that percentage would probably be less now. Um, because I feel like there's been a shift in our country in the last few years towards that not being as acceptable. There's a lot of other things that are more acceptable to you as a spiritual outlet, whether that's a different religion or just kind of, you know, whatever else it is that you believe. Um, and then I think the other group is kind of, you know, maybe where uh, Rob was and definitely where I was in my story of just kind of, 
being there in the church and, you know, wanting to be a Christian and wanting to live a Christian life, but maybe being misguided and mis or misunderstanding what that really meant, you know, what that really was at its core. You know, definitely for me, it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know Jesus, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a relationship with him. So I, I mean, the, the things like you were saying, Tim, so the things I was doing, because I didn't have that relationship, the things that I was doing were works. And it's really, and it's hard because it's really kind of the same things, you know, if you look at, if you just look at this thing next to this thing, it's the same action, you know, it's, hey, a short-term mission trip where you're helping orphans in this country, and it's the same exact thing, but, and you, but you look at, like, the motivation behind it, you know, I'm doing this because I think this is what a Christian does, or I'm doing this even because I think this is what Jesus would do and what Jesus would want me to do, or is it I'm doing this because it's an outpouring of what Christ has done in my life? It's, you know, a response to um, who Jesus is and, you know, what I, how my relationship is with him. Um, yeah, no, I think that's definitely hitting it on the head. The other thing I was thinking, of, thinking about as well is that when you are in relationship with Jesus, there are other decisions that you make that aren't these big events. You know, I think it's easy when it's work-based to do just big things. Like once a year, I did my missions trip, oh, pat in the back. I did my Sunday morning service, pat in the back. But it's the little things when no one's around. It's the little things like, um, you know, treating the barista nice who made your drink wrong that because God's leading you to do that or the person that, that God's telling you to speak to. Those are the things also, the, those like smaller fruits that no one really might see but God sees that I think happen as well. I mean, there are, there are times where there are just certain movie choices that I'm just going to choose. I'm going to say I'm not going to watch this because I just don't have, I have a conviction about not watching it. It's just my thing. It's nothing that I would push on anyone else. But I feel like the Lord or I believe the Lord's told me, you know what, Tim, this movie is not for you. And I I have to trust that authority in my life and submit to it and say, you know what? Even though I might want to see that movie, I'll have to trust that it's not it's not the movie, it's not the movie for, for you know for me to see. Of course, that's just one example, but I feel like as well when when it's more of that just work based thing, those thought processes aren't really in your head as much either, um, which again can just be one of those other fruits in your life. I was, you know, is, is are you running everything through the Holy Spirit? Is He filtering out? you know, where he wants you, how he wants you to live. There was a season in my life for almost a month where I ran everything by Jesus. I mean, even the smallest stuff like, hey, should I get this cup of coffee at Starbucks right now? And just wait for his response. And there'd be times where he would say yes or no, or say it's up to you. But those were a really intimate to a like, month. It was an intimate month. And it was a fantastic month because I felt like I was so in sync with someone that was greater than me that was guiding my life. Um, so I feel like that is a very big distinction as well. You know, these event-based works that we do, you have to go do this, you read your Bible once a day, versus that fluidity of life, that rhythm that you're in with the Holy Spirit, because he's with you wherever you are, he's kind of leading you no matter what you're doing. I think that that's also a huge distinction. And I think that's a, a great point that you hit on, is running everything in our lives through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you aren't a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. That's something that is very unique to New Testament believers. Old Testament saints, David, uh, Samuel, uh, all of these people had the Holy Spirit for a season, for a time, and then he would leave. 
New Testament believers have the promise, I'm going to give you the comforter. I'm going to give you my spirit, and it's going to dwell in you forever. And so we have that guidance. We don't really need the law, which was needed in the Old Testament. You have to do this. You can't do this. You have to do this. You can't do that. We don't need that because Christ fulfilled the law, and now he's given us our spirit, and the law is not written on tablets. It's written on our hearts. And so we're really being motivated and guided by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's really what a Christian life comes down to, is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, that kind of causes that, like, inexplicable, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like I was saying earlier, like, we actually look like Christ now. And it's different somehow than just doing the same things that Christ did, that we see him doing, it's somehow deeper than that, and I think that flows from the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's not always something that you can put your finger on and say, well, they did this, so they must be a Christian, and they did that, so they must be a Christian, or vice versa. Um, but I think when you're living your life, like you were saying, Tim, just kind of in that rhythm of making those every those small decisions, too, like that changes, that's what really what changes how you look as a person, you know? and that people can see. And it's almost like something that you're not going to necessarily uh, call out like this one individual thing, but it's something that you're going to recognize about this person that they look different or they look like Christ. Well, it's really, it's really the unquantifiable stuff. You can't quantify that on Facebook. Man, God told me not to drink a, cu- a cup of coffee today, so I didn't. Woohoo! That, that would seem stupid on Facebook or wherever else that you wanted to brag about your spiritual life. Podcast. <laughs> no, no, definitely not a podcast. <laughs> no, it makes complete sense. In fact, the other day, no, I'm just <laughs> um, but yeah, those are things that really man can't can't measure as success, but God does. It's those moments of, of obedience. It's the moments that no one's ever going to know about, and that's okay because ultimately, it's not about people recognizing, you know, our good works. Exactly. You know, I, I think about when um, Jesus talks about the Pharisees and how they pray out in the streets. And they weep and they wail and they have all their garb on, you know, and he goes, well, they've received the reward already in full. People have seen them and have praised them. It's the same kind of idea, I feel, as well, is there are moments in the Christian life that no one's ever going to see, and that's really okay. Um, and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> there are moments that, I mean, just like how there are moments with, with Sarah and I that I would never want, you know, um, to be public because they're just moments that we have that are just one-on-one that no one needs to know about. But it's what gives us that special connection that I only have with her and vice versa. It's the same way, I think, with Jesus is there are moments that that people have had with him that they wouldn't trade for the world that no one will ever know about that are precious to, to that person and to him. So I think that's really important. So going back to our question, though, kind of bringing it full circle a little bit, you know, what is a Christian? What would you say a Christian is then at the, at the end of the day? I, I'd have to go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? It says it's someone who has put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and now is living in a way that will please him. And I think that's really, what, what's the, the pinnacle of Christian life? It's getting to the end of life and hearing the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've done well. You've represented me in a good way. Because that's what we're called to be. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be servants. And the epitome of Christian life is serving the one who has given everything for us. Do you think so? 
I don't know. I, I think that, 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 yeah, serving is part of that, but more importantly, it's doing life with the Lord. I don't think God just wants us just to serve him at his feet. I think he wants to do life with us consistently and wants to share those moments in with us. But I think a bigger part of this as well is that, like we talked about earlier, if you can, people can do that and still not be a Christian, I think. I think about Matthew 7, where he says, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these amazing things in your name? And he'll say, go away, evildoers, I never knew you. For only those who do the, who do the will of my Father enter the, the kingdom of heaven. I think the biggest thing about really being a Christian is that you are in sync with the Holy Spirit and with the Father, and that you are doing his will. Um, of course, after you put your faith and trust in him, that has to be a, a step one at least. Right. But I think it's important because if that fuel is not the Holy Spirit, if he hasn't done that, you know, that sanctification work in you that, that, or is not doing that sanctification work in you consistently, that's a telltale sign, I think, of just, you're just doing good works, man. You know, you're, you're, you're claiming an ideology because you're comfortable with it because you grew up in it doing good works, but there's no Jesus who's guiding you there. So it's, I think it's very tricky. Um, it's very tedious and very tricky. And that's why also I think the Bible talks about how each believer should work out his or her own faith in fear and trembling. That idea of, you know, all right, Lord, like I, I have to make sure that I'm in sync with you and that I'm really in, in your will here. Um, and that, and that we're really one in this together. I think there's a difference though, Tim, between serving God as, you know, in a relationship with him, serving him and serving him uh, kind of like in a works mentality, like you were saying, and you kind of contrasted those two, I felt like. Um, but I think the difference is that when we are not in relationship with God and we're doing these things that appear like we're serving him, we're really just serving our own need either to belong to something or to feel like we are earning something. And I think that's really not serving God, you know, when it comes down to the real motivation of that doing those works outside of a relationship with him is really for us. It's not for him. Yeah, I, I just feel like that word serving has been so marred. Uh, Unfortunately. Honestly, by the church, because I grew up thinking you serve God by going to church and by giving up your time for the church and by cleaning the church and by mowing the church's grass. That's how you serve the Lord. Um, Which, don't get us wrong, that can be part of it. Sure, it can be, but like we said earlier, only if that, only if it's driven by the Holy Spirit, you know, only if that mentality, like you said, Jordan, you, you kind of nailed it there, is not, well, how do I feel about this? Is this serving my needs? It's a whole different mentality. But I'm just so, I don't like using that word serving because it brings up those ideas in my head. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think about, you know, the Bible uses the the family as like really that that um, analogy so much. And I don't think like I've, I've never quote unquote served my dad in, in, in the sense of, of how I see serving God. But I have respected my dad. I have helped him on things. I have served him in ways. I would just never use that word that I've served my dad. You know, I've been in relationship with my dad. He showed me how to do stuff. Um, he's taught me stuff. I've taught him stuff. And I definitely have submitted to his rule in my life, you know, his authority, especially, especially as a kid and a teenager, as best as I can. But I would never call it serving. So I think it's in my head it's the same kind of thing where I don't know if – I don't think that I never see it as, well, God, I'm just serving you right now. You know, it's more of like, God, this is the call you have in my life. I want to be obedient to that. And I know that you're with me in that journey. And for me, that it's, even, even if it's just a small thing, even if it's just a word game, to me, that's a big deal because it changes 
the view I have in my head from how I grew up hearing about serving to now, which is more of that relational, you know, aspect of it. Well, Tim, you have a marriage coming up, and Jordan and I are both married. <laughs> it's easy, right? Oh, definitely. It's a walk in the park. Cool. Um, Sex. But you'll learn. <laughs> you'll learn it's much more than that. Wait, 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 hold on. The church has told me that if I just wait, I'm guaranteed sex twenty four seven. That's another podcast. Okay, that's another podcast. podcast. Oh, that's gonna be a fun one. Let's do that one on July twenty third, the day after I get married, so we can yeah. talk about it. No, we'll do a one first. Then we're gonna do a follow up with a conference call in yeah. from your honeymoon. Why have I been lied to? Anyway, go ahead and listen. But uh, you'll you'll learn the word servant or service in a whole new aspect because you won't serve because this person has authority over you or this person is better than you or whatever the case may be. You'll serve out of love, out of devotion. And it's because you want to do something for someone else that will bring them honor, will bring them joy, will bring them some satisfaction. And that's really what we, what we mean when we talk about serving the Lord. It's doing things because he has called us to do them and because it will bring satisfaction to his heart. That's And one of the things that you said, I think, hits the nail on the head. If we could put one word over the Christian life, it would really be obedience. Are we obeying the Lord in every circumstance in life, in every choice in life, on the things that he has for us? Right. And ultimately, the reason why we obey is because he has the best life for us. Not the most necessarily the happiest or not the most painless, but he is the master of living. I mean, he invented, he created the world. Surely he knows how humans are meant to live, especially especially in the midst of this world that we live in now. Um, and that's a good point, Rob, the serving, you know, changing, kind of changing that, that view of it. And that's something that I'll probably have to learn. Uh, and I already kind of have been learning, even on a little, on a much smaller level of, of even just being engaged. There have been moments where I'm like, you know, what, this is me going out of my way and not wanting anything out of that. Like, how do I make that? How how do I make that a pure motive? That's been difficult because you you kind of get checked real quick. Like, wait a second, I'm doing this because I want something back. That's a really terrible motive to have. And again, that I think that analogy applies right to um, to to God as well. Is there are times in my life where I know that I've done things hoping to get something back, but it's kind of futile because God already knows my heart anyway. I mean, I mean, what's the point? But he's been gracious in those moments anyway, which is what's so amazing about just how really loving he is. Um, but that, that being said, and I'll get over to you in a second, Jordan. Um, <laughs> yes, Jordan, you're raising your hand off. Just one second. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, like I said, I, it's hard because I don't want to come across like a church basher but i'm just i've had to unlearn so much from good people who meant well who just did not show me a, a good example of that and i've really grown up kind of cynical and jaded because sometimes i feel like like the church uses that hey serve god to get free help or to get free volunteers or to get people to give up a lot of money and what they'll say is well you're serving god best when you're serving in the church and it's like well Part of that could be true, but it almost feels like a manipulation sometimes of, well, you just need a volunteer to do this job that would cost a lot of money, but under the pretense of, well, you're serving by giving up your talent, we get this done for free. <laughs> and so that's a big something that I've had to unpack as well, which, I'm, again, I'm sure is for a later podcast, but I think that's why I'm so jaded to that word serving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Tim, you and I have talked before at different times about a lot of different subjects. 
and just kind of the idea that uh, often we will kind of swing um, the pendulum, if you will, really far one way or the other. And I think definitely when it comes to the idea of serving, um, it's been swung all the way one way at times, and I think swung all the way the other way at other times too. And I think it's important, uh, the reason why I say that is I think it's important when we think about serving um, that while, yes, we are serving our Father, you know, we're, we're, and we're serving in relationship, and, um, but we're also serving God, you know, we're also serving our King, because He's not just our Father, you know, and I think it's important that we don't lose that sense of who God really is in comparison to us, you know, like, and I'm not saying that it would automatically do this, but I think sometimes we kind of creep towards that, that end of the pendulum, if you will, that says, you know, hey, you and I are just in this together as equals, you and I, God. Um, and he is in this with us, but he's in this with us not just as a helper and friend, but also as our Lord <laughs> and King and, you know, someone that we owe, you know, that doesn't owe us anything and that we owe completely everything we could possibly give him. Um, and you're right, that idea, I think, has swung the pendulum the other way to this just very, it's, it's duty, you know, it's something that we have to do, um, and that kind of takes the relationship out of it, too. Um, but I don't think it has to be completely one way or the other. I think it, it's important that it's both, you know, that we have this good uh, perception of who God is, um, and a good perception of how he feels about us and how he wants to be in relationship with us, but how that doesn't change who he is. You know, that doesn't change yeah. his lordship in our life. Yeah. No, it's definitely tough. Um, you guys have read or heard of the book Knowledge of the Holies? Yeah. Yes. Um, wow. That first chapter blew my mind. I mean, it's it's intense. But, you know, the whole point of, in the very beginning, or one of the first chapters, is it was pretty much A.W. Tozer says that if we have the wrong view of God, that's idolatry, and we're living in idolatry. And you're just kind of like, wow, that's I never thought about that before. You know, if, if I made up my own version of God in my head, and that's who I'm trying to worship is this other God who is not who God really is. And really, that's an idol in my life. That's not a, a true God. And anyway, all, all that, that to say, Jordan, that you're right. Yeah. It's tough because we're still limited in our humanity, and so we do the best we can sometimes, but there are other times where we can swing this pendulum either way, and so you either come out of duty or you come out of like, ah, oh, God's Jesus is, is my homeboy. This other like, you know, this, this other side of the extreme where it's like, wow, that's almost just like so ridiculous because I guess he's your homeboy, but he's so much more than that. Why would you degrade him down to that level? But why would you degrade him down to just some, you know, warlord who you just have to serve while he beats you over the head with the whip, you know, because right. it's your, it's your duty. So there is, there's always going to be that tension, I think for the believer um, who is always living in that sense of duty, obedience, love, respect, grace, all kind of in one jumbled pot being stirred up at once. And you kind of feel overwhelmed sometimes because you're like, well, he's God. He can wipe me off the face of the map with not even a breath. He didn't, he didn't make anything. He just spoke the world into existence. So he's clearly a very powerful way above my head out there being who 
if he didn't want to love us and wanted to send us to hell forever, everyone, he definitely could do that with that with and he, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't owe it to me to have an explanation. So he humbles himself and comes down here as a human, you know, who was a real human who, you know, went to the bathroom like all of us and did all that stuff, you know. Like I, I think about that, like that humanity of Jesus. And he was also fully God. So he did all this stuff. So even the reflection of God that he's shown us is is that tension as well. You know, in, in Genesis he spoke, he spoke, and we were here. And then he comes down here and puts himself on a cross on a human level for us. Whole other side of the coin. I'm all powerful and now I'm I'm giving up my life for the sake of you who doesn't deserve it. So there's always gonna be for me, I guess, that 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 tension of not duty, but out of respect, reverence, love, grace, all those things. Um, how do I follow him consistently? And is that what is defining my my Christianity, you know, or my Christianness, for lack of a better word? It's going to be one that I think people are, are always going to wrestle with. But I think what you guys have been talking about is is key. When we view God with a right appreciation of who He is the creator of the universe, the one who sustains all things, the one who breathed life into man. When we see him as the Lord of creation, the God of eternity, then when we then look at the next chapter and we see him as a baby boy born into a manger, it becomes that much more precious to us because we know who he actually is. We know the power that he actually has, and he submitted himself, uh, like Paul says in Philippians, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And it's a wonderful thing that we can never really fully comprehend. I think uh, it's in First Timothy, it says, great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in flesh. It's something that we're not going to understand. We're not going to understand incarnation. We're not fully going to understand how God was God and man all in the same person. It's not something that our human minds are going to be able to comprehend. But when we have that right appreciation of God, it's going to make that side of things so much more real. It's going to make his grace and mercy so much more real. Yeah, absolutely. It's that, again, it's that tension, man. And I, I know we're almost out of time, and I don't, I don't want to open up a whole other can of worms, but that tension is something that I have more recently discovered in my life. And at first I was terrified of it. You know, what do you mean I'm wrestling with this? I'm not sure. I don't know how this hall works. But I was told that I can know A, B, and C for beyond a shadow of a doubt and that I know for sure that that that, that, that A, B, and C are true. And I'm like, well, I know it's true, but I don't know how it works. And I've been more and more comfortable comfortable in that tension because I find that, that that's where you really have God cradling you. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Certain things you're just not going to understand, but I'm with you, and, and I'm going to sustain you through it. Um, so there's definitely, I think, a lot of comfort I've been finding in in those tensions of things that we've talked about even today with, you know, servanthood and and family and he's my dad but he's also my king and how does that work and you know he you know he came down to earth and he was fully God and fully man I don't understand any of that um, but okay you know and he's still God so they're definitely important tensions that I think are good to wrestle with and to be in the middle of right yeah do you have anything Jordan you want to add. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I guess kind of summing up what I'm thinking, I guess, a little bit, just that it's so important that we have a right view of who God is. And like you were saying that A.W. Tozer says in, in the book that, and it includes something he, he kind of goes on to say after that, is that having a right view of God 
um, includes the understanding that we're not going to fully understand him. Like that's a really important aspect of uh, having a right view of God. And then, you know, knowing who we are before him, you know, without Christ, you know, that we rebelled, you know, and we're living in open rebellion against him. Um, and then just what he did for us, you know, coming on the cross um, and taking the punishment that we rightly deserved. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, that's just kind of like, that's it. Like, yeah. when you understand that, and I think that's, this is kind of what, you know, made the difference in my story is just that, you know, when you can comprehend, you know, who he was, who we were and what we did, and then what he did in response to that, so uncharacteristic of what we would think is a good response for that. Um, I mean, that's kind of what like brought me to the point where, you know, I could begin that relationship with him. Um, so, yeah. Well, one hour has passed, which means we've totally figured this whole thing out completely, 100%. We have all the answers now, right? Absolutely. Um, glad yeah. that you could join us for that. Yes, I think we've covered all 10 topics that you wanted to talk about tonight. And by all 10, I mean we really kind of touched the surface of one. <laughs> uh, but close enough, close enough. I mean, who's really counting at the end of the day, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, well, thanks, everyone, for, for listening and, uh, to this podcast. Oh, that's right, I forgot. So we did we ate Chinese food for dinner tonight. Um, where's, my, where's my fortune cookie? Well, just so Jordan doesn't get in trouble, he did not eat Chinese food. Oh, right. Stacia, he was, he only had half of one egg roll. Yes. (laughs) One egg roll. Wait, guys, my fortune cookie, where is it? No fortune for you. Oh, all right. Fortune favors the bold, Tim. (laughs) It's on the floor, Tim. You've thrown it. it. Uh, I I was so angry. Oh, here it is. Okay. (laughs) All right, who's going first? Rob. Wait, don't you have to eat the cookie before you read it? Well, for sake of being polite on our podcast, well, I don't want to hear you chewing on, on, on the mic. <laughs> All right, fine. Leaders are like eagles. They don't flock. You find them one at a time. True or false? Um, I don't know. Then what would someone say to a leadership conference? Boom. <laughs> it's an eagle's nest. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Jordan. Um, a master can act without doing anything, teach without a word. Okay, that was sure. stupid. That sounds pretty new agey. Did Deepak Chopra write that one? <laughs> <laughs> you just are, uh, and are is is. Fortune cookies mm. were invented in San Francisco, so. Huh, who knew? <laughs> All Jordan. right, mine says apply your imagination to any problem that arises. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> All right. Well, that was very useless. That Chinese place sucks. <laughs> Welcome to uh, <laughs> Things We're Not Going to Do Again on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Um, if you have any feedback for us, please leave it. Again, our website is www.coffeetheologyandjesus.com. No WordPress necessary. That's where you're going to find all of our podcasts, some of our, uh, our past blogs, all that kind of stuff. So... If you want to hear more, um, shoot us an email. I think our email address is coffeetheologyjesus at gmail.com. So for now, I'm sure Rob can change that. Um, yeah, so thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we will uh, talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. See you.